Happy Saturday evening, everybody. Hope everybody's having a, a nice weekend. I love Friday nights. It just seems like the weekend just got started. And then Saturday night comes and it's like, oh no, it's almost over. Oh no. Anyway, so we haven't fun yet. We're about to have some fun in Genesis 39. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Genesis 39 in the NLT. But first, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. This is fun. This is enjoyable. This is passionate. This is your word. Thank you for giving us a hope. We want to be ready, Lord. We want to be ready when those clouds part and you come back. I don't exactly understand all the things about prophecy. We talk about in a temple being on earth in Ezekiel 40 to 48, you ruling during the thousand years. And obviously there is some death occurring in, in the Bible in Revelation 19, 20, but we want to live. We want to live our lives now in front of you, Lord. So when you come back, it's just a seamless transition into the new covenant. Because what we know by, by trusting and by faith, we will see with our eyes. And we don't want to mourn. We want to be happy that you're coming back, Lord, because you're coming to reset the universe the way it should have been. And then all the problems that prevent us from moving forward will be taken away. So help us now as we read your word. This is your word, Lord, that you revealed to your prophets. And this is obviously um, stories that are true, but they are to reveal your son who is at the right hand uh, of your, is, who is at your right hand right now. Thank you, Lord, for listening to my prayer, long and rambling as it may be. Please give us your Holy Spirit and help us now to understand. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Sometimes I get a little um, <clears throat> too preachy, even in my prayers. So I just want to have a simple prayer. So I'm working on that. Okay, so it says, Joseph in Potiphar's house. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So, you know, Joseph is a slave in Egypt and, you know, the people that that uh, that he's from, the Israelites, the Hebrews, they became slaves for 430 years. I mean, that's a long time. Wow, that's a long time. I mean, Egypt was a really dominant world power. You know, look at America, how much history it has and how much tradition it has. And it's started from 1776. And I mean, look at how long that's been going. And even Canada, too, 167 years, I think. Or it could be longer, sorry. I can't remember the exact dates when Canada started, 1867. So look at all, look at how much history there is. And, uh, uh, you know, Egypt was like 430 years where they were slaves, right? We're not even there yet, but obviously he's a slave. He's sort of a forerunner of what's going to happen to his own people. Um, but he is taken up by someone who is well-to-do. And as we shall learn, um, he's treated well. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So you know what the Bible says, whatever you find to do, do with all your hand, um, all your might, all your soul, all your hand. You know, do, do a good job. You know, we are working for Jesus, so sometimes, you know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to complain about my job, but it's like, no, wait a minute. Jesus is looking over my shoulder. doesn't matter how your co-worker is talking to you or your boss is talking to you 
or that we live in a secular world or that our job is is uh, promoting secular things or things that are not in line with the scriptures. We're still, God has given us a job and he expects us to try to do a good job. And obviously, you know, when you've got somebody working for you, you know, they may not be as motivated for your business to succeed as you are because it's your business. My dad used to tell me this all the time. You know, he really had to push these guys because when you're working for somebody else, you really don't care that much. Just get the paycheck and leave. If you got your own business, my dad used to say, he got to hustle. You got to hustle because it's your bread and butter. It's your reputation. And obviously, you don't want to have people who are losers and who are just lackluster and who are just lackadaisical on the job. You want to have, you know, good, good workers because they're going to make the business shine. They're going to make you look good. They're going to help you with the bottom dollar, you know, and I don't know, folks, maybe I'm, I, I, maybe I'm getting a certain age. I find that people are just very lackluster these days. They're very lackluster in how they dress, how they look. There's, I'm sorry, but when I was going to school, man, you had to be neat. Your shirt's sticking out of your pants. You got to tuck that in. You know, you got to tie your shoelaces. I mean, I understand that people go to school. I understand that people come from bad families and, you know, they're, they're, you know, single families and there's not a lot of money and stuff like that. But there's no attention to details with people anymore. They look sloppy. Look sloppy. And when you're working, when you got a business and you're going to employ somebody and they're going to be sloppy and they're going to leave when they want, you know, you can't really hold somebody to work for you if, if you invested time and in, time in them and then they just don't care about the job or they just have so many personal problems, they can't do anything, you know, but it's just, it's really very, very hard to find people to do a good job these days. And obviously when Potiphar saw that Joseph actually did care and had an attention to details, um, it made him very happy. And it was actually good for Joseph too, because he was put in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. You know, if you're faithful in little things, God will make you faithful in big things. You know, if you don't care about the little details, if you don't care about stewardship, how are you, how is God going to put you in charge of an entire galaxy or solar system or give you a massive amount of work to do in the eternal covenant, in the eternal universe? If you don't really care at all in this, in this life, I mean, why is God going to do that? Like we are being tested. This is quality assurance testing. Okay, and in, in my job as a mainframe programmer and then also in the mainframe, you know, we have quality assurance people and they are kicking the crap out of COBOL modules and COBOL programs. They're trying to test them. They're trying to break them. Not because they, they, they want to do that, but they want to find if there's a hidden flaw in this thing, you better find out now before you put it into production and it fails and it makes the, you know, the employer's reputation, the bank's reputation look bad and it makes the VPs look bad. Because if it's good, if they want to, if something is going to fail, they want to know it sooner rather than later. That's why you test something. That's why you quality assurance tested. God is allowing us to be quality assurance tested. I, I'm amazed at how people don't seem to, to seem to get that. They don't seem to realize that this is a test. All people ever do is, is wail and complain that they're broken. You know, broken people can't do anything. God's fixing us. Now we need to get fixed and we need to get going and we need to get moving and we need to do stuff and accomplish stuff because the master is coming. 
no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he's coming sooner rather than later because this entire world and society is just flopping and failing and floundering and flubbing around. It's craziness. Okay, enough of my preachiness. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him too approvingly. Come and be with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Guess he had integrity too. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. This man had morals. I mean, I know this is the old covenant and I know, but, but obviously there, there's, you know, when, when God says that Noah had grace, you know, I remember reading an article about a guy from Grace Communion International. He said, the new covenant is the oldest covenant of all. I mean, God lives in you. God is living inside this man. I know he's on, I know it's the old covenant. I know it's the story from the old covenant. I know we talk about the law and the law of Moses, but there's no Moses right now, right? Before Mount Sinai. But this man has a relationship with God. He respects God. He obviously wants to please God. He says it would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to come and be with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. I'm not even going to talk about gender stuff, because I've seen stuff on YouTube, and you know what? People can't seem to have good relationships these days. Like, it's about servitude, serving each other, being respectful of each other, and tolerant. It's not about short-term, um, immoral relationships. Um, that don't really have any kind of forgiveness and any kind of trust because it's hard to trust these days. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, uh, demanding, come on, be with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that he was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to, to uh, have his way with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. Well, this guy's getting beaten up by everybody. He's gotten beaten up by his brothers, and he's gotten beaten up by now this woman who's framed him and said evil stuff about him to protect her own skin. Right? His brothers took his coat, dipped it in blood, and said to, the, said to his uh, uh, dad, Hey, dad, uh, your, your favorite son, the guy that you're showing favoritism to, so sad, uh, he just got eaten. And now this lady holds up his coat and says, Hey, you know why this coat is in my hand? Because he tried to have his way with me. And, and according to the story, that is a bold lie. It's a lie. It's a twisting of truth. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. 
doesn't really say if he had any doubts about this. So it seems that he's being framed in exactly the same way that Jesus is being framed by the religious leaders. But in that story, obviously Herod knew that Jesus was innocent. I wonder if Potiphar knew. I wonder if deep down he says, you know, how can a guy who's so... Um, I mean, he could be a suspicious guy. He could be a guy who just says, you know, he just sort of wormed his way into my affections and did everything right just so he could get close to my wife. But I wonder if deep down there were some doubts. I wonder if the Holy Spirit was reaching into Potiphar and saying, hey, dude, you know what? Um, you know better that this guy has been doing an excellent job for you, that guys like this don't come around, that you put him in charge for a reason, and your wife is talking trash about the young man. But it doesn't say that if he did or not. It says that he threw Joseph, threw him into prison. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. The Bible says when people frame you, it says this in Matthew 5, because we're studying the Beatitudes now. And Jesus says, blessed, blessed are you. So here's one of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are eight commandments that Jesus gave when he was on this tiny little hill. It was almost like a, 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 a reinterpretation uh, of Mount Sinai, but it's a tiny little hill. Because I remember a pastor at one of the churches I used to go to says he went to this place and it was like a little tiny little mole hill sticking out of the earth. And this is where Jesus was preaching the Beatitudes. And this is what Jesus says in one of the Beatitudes. Um, he says in Matthew 5, um, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, we're, Christ we're Christians, we're looking backwards because we know Jesus died on the cross. But remember, Joseph is in, Joseph is, um, you know, he's Jewish. He's part of a family that fears God. There has been no no uh, proclamation from Mount Sinai, like the Ten Commandments have not been codified. But he's looking forward because he knows Genesis 3.15. And that is somebody's coming to take away sin. So in a way, he's like a Christian. He's been framed. He's been disrespected. He's been accused of. And the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. It says when... Christians are being accused, that's because the devil is doing it through whatever um, mouthpiece he's using. And in the church that I used to go to, that lady who started the church, who says that she's the founder of the church, and she is, but who said she was speaking for God as an antichrist because she would accuse Christians because they went to church on Sunday. And I knew she was fake and she was a liar. I never liked her. She's like a big boss. And she wrote all these books and they read her books instead of reading the Bible. And I realize I have to get out. She's an accuser of the brethren. She's an antichrist because she took the message of Jesus and is eclipsing Jesus and replacing it with her own spin. And it was wrong. And I met Christians when I studied the Bible at my workplace and I realized these are the people that have been accused. And you know what? They would never do these things. Something is wrong here. I have been misled. I have been lied to and I realized that I had to get out of what I was born into. And so I, so I got rebaptized, and I went to the Baptist church because I felt it was the best fit for Jesus only. Not to disrespect other denominations who are Jesus only, but the Baptist church was available to me and the people in the Bible study were Baptists. And it seemed this, a hard message, but simple. Simple, but hard. 
So she is accusing, she is accusing this man, this, in, this man of integrity of, of she's making up a lie. It says that Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. That is a lie. We know this. The story says otherwise. It says the exact opposite. The Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord has showed me love for the last five years. I was shocked about some of the things that happened to me, but you know what I realize now? God wants me to love him. God wants me to trust him. I don't have to sound like wimpy or simpy or, or anything like that. God wants me to connect to him and his son. It's not about being simpy or wimpy. It's not about love, love, love. It's about love, connection, eternal connection with the heavenly father. Whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, it's not a romantic love. It's a love that passes understanding. It's a love that a child would have for his father. That's what God wants from each one of you, whether you're a man or a woman. Whether you're XX or XY or something in between. God doesn't care. God wants you to connect and be aligned to him first. And you will take care of the other things. If you want God and you want Jesus, you will try to please God. Because he will put his Holy Spirit into you. You won't be doing it. God is doing it in you. But you are saved for good works. You will naturally align yourself to God. Because you want to make him happy. It says the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. I guess everybody could see this man had integrity. Everybody could see that he had been falsely accused. Pilate saw that Jesus was falsely accused. Herod was, you know, he, Herod was into parlor tricks. Herod had big problems, you know, he took his, his brother's wife, so he wasn't a very nice person. But Herod, uh, Pilate wasn't a nice guy either, but he still had enough conscience to know that Jesus was an innocent man. And if not, if that doesn't... Um, if that's not enough, his wife said to him, I've had a dream about this man, Jesus Christ. Have nothing to do with this just man. 22. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. I wonder if Potiphar knew that. I wonder if Potiphar sort of came around or just totally forgot about him and said, oh yeah, you know, that guy there who's fooling around with my wife. Yeah. Uh, I just want to let you know, Potiphar, he's in charge of the whole place now. Really? I wonder if Potiphar had a conscience. You know, I used to look at a cartoon that my kids had. And in the cartoon, Potiphar kind of looks at his wife when she makes this accusation. And then he actually goes to the prison. I don't think he really interacts. But the cartoon Potiphar looks at the jail cell and he just has this look of total shame. He's ashamed of himself. I wonder if Joseph's good deeds might have convict, convinced him that there was the true God in heaven. I would like to think so. I would like to think that there are some things that the Bible did not record, but we will see people, God willing if I'm there, we will see people who the Bible didn't say what happened to them. But you will see that person in heaven when you're there, God willing, and you'll go, wow, I read about you. I would like to think he was there. I would like to think that Potiphar recognized that Joseph was a just man, a God-fearer, and it might have convicted him. I would like to think this. It doesn't say that in the Bible, though. But I would like to believe. 
Verse 23, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Because of Jesus, Jesus took care of everything, my friend. Your salvation is rock solid guaranteed. All you gotta do now is live it out. Live it out and you will fail. You will fall. You will sin because first John says, if you say you don't have sin in you, you're a liar, but we have grace. And if we, if we cry to God, he will make our sins, though they'll be as red as blood, they will, uh, and crimson as blood, they'll be as white as snow. I would like to have that. I would like my sins to be covered. I've done a lot of stupid and wrong things in my life, but as I read Revelation 19, 11, Revelation 1, 7, I read the Bible, I enjoy doing this. I'm doing it for fun. I'm doing it that somebody else might enjoy find a passion and I fooled around, um, you know, looking at stupid videos and wasting my time. And I'm thinking, you know what, the people who make these videos, you know, whether they're hobbies or stuff, they don't seem to want God. What do they have? What do you have? My God is coming back. He's coming back for people who are fear his name. He's coming back to give you an eternity. He's coming back to give you an eternal life. He's coming back to give you a new universe where you can go and see the stars. He's coming back to give you a universe, a home, where you will move faster than the speed of thought, that you will see all these different planets. There won't be a heat death of this new universe. He's coming back. He did it all for you. He wants you to connect with him now. I may not be the brightest guy in the world, not the sharpest tool in the shed, I tell you, but I want this. And I know that Jesus is telling me the truth. Like Joseph, even more than Joseph, he has super integrity. Jesus says, I am telling you the truth. Lord, I believe you. I believe you. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The Lord was with Jesus Christ and caused everything that Jesus did to succeed. A lot of people were against Jesus, but the Lord was for him, God our Father. And if God is for you, nobody, nobody, nobody can be against you. God bless.